and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my good friend, social worker, specialised trauma therapist, and founder of the Canadian Institute of Workplace Harassment and Violence, Linda Crockett. Linda is known for pioneering the first and only full-service workplace harassment, bullying and violence resource centre in Canada in 2010. She's also spearheaded the Regional and National Workplace Bullying Awareness Week with active government leader endorsement since 2010. Linda has won awards from the Government of Alberta, Canada and the University of Calgary in Canada for her specialised services. Her clinical and professional training includes a master's degree specialising in workplace bullying. She's a certified practitioner of somatic experiencing trauma therapy, prolonged exposure to PTSD therapy, cognitive behavioural therapy, addictions therapy, grief and loss therapy and more. Linda has 34 years of experience in her profession of social work, which includes 12 years in the specialised area of workplace psychological harassment and psychological violence. She offers a wide range of services for all professions, trades, industries, institutions and communities. This includes trauma-informed consultations, coaching, training for leadership, staff and other adult students, and a repair and recovery clinic for complainants, witnesses and those identified as being bullies or harassers, otherwise known as the respondents. Linda's clinic offers a safe, confidential non-judgmental space for groups or individuals to receive support, education, training, advocacy, coaching and or treatment for their psychological injuries. Due to the complex nuances involved in these cases, Linda is continually identifying gaps in services and knowledge within all workplace systems, offering services to fill those gaps and creating a worldwide network of resources. Linda's main goal is prevention along with early and effective interventions to prevent further harm and repair options. So I think it's more than fair to say Linda is leading the way with inspiration. That is an incredible uh, bio. So without further ado, let's meet Linda Crockett. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Thank you. Uh, I much appreciate you inviting me to talk today. Thank you. Absolutely. No, it's going to be a phenomenal show. Um, The audience are going to be, they're going to learn so much. I really appreciate you coming on. So I've I've read out a very detailed bio, which is just so, so full of stuff. It's such a rich bio. The services you offer are absolutely incredible and so valuable and valued, I'm sure, by the organisations and and individuals that you work with. But can you, in, in your own words, can you make it a little bit more um informal tell us a bit more about yourself what your current roles are and what leadership positions you you hold or have held in the past please well 
you know, prior to doing this uh, specialized area, I was in social work, you know, and I, for 22 years, I, I worked in all kinds of places. A social worker can get their hands into just about anything, really, right? So the list is long. And I always knew that at some point in my career, I would have a private practice. So I did, I did try to experience everything I could. And, you know, I was a supervisor of investigators, investigators of abuse. And I had all kinds of experience with assessing abuse as a social worker, you know, domestic violence, sexual abuse, addictions, you name it. I had my hands in there and I had lots of training and lots of experience. But at the 22 year mark of my career, I ended up being bullied in my workplace. I worked in a large cancer center. Um, that's a place where you work because you want to work with that population that you really want to work with people who are experiencing that diagnosis, that treatment, that whole process of whether they're surviving or they're passing away. I I loved my job, but I actually was bullied and mobbed in that workplace by a psychologist, a social worker, a pastor, two HR uh, people. So there was quite a group that you would just you would just never expect that to happen in a place like that, because you really have to put your heart into that work. So when I, I was bullied and, and I really did hit rock bottom, I mean, I ended up with PTSD. Uh, I was physically, so physically ill. I, I, I nearly lost my voice permanently from all the, the symptoms that I was having from, you know, um, ulcers and stuff like that. And when somebody said to me that I was being bullied, I actually went into full blown denial you know, full-blown denial about it. So it, it was it was shaming. It was humiliating. I thought after everything I knew and all the leading positions, I trained all these people to assess abuse. How could this happen to me? I really went into isolation and shut down for quite a while until I read about it. And it, it was at that point that I realized somebody has to do something about that. We're not talking about this. I'm in the, I live in the province of Alberta in Canada and nobody was talking about it. I searched Google, there was no one doing anything about it. Nobody, everyone denied it. You know, every, nobody, people just minimized and shamed you and embarrassed you and made you feel like you were the problem. So I realized as a social worker, that's what I'm trained to do. You need to identify gaps in systems. You need to step up and make sure voices get heard. You need to look at gaps in systems and fill them. So I, that's when I decided to get my master's degree in this area. And from there, it just bloomed. Like as soon as I opened the door of this idea of doing this business, I have never not been busy in 12 years. That says a lot. I, I mean, every year I am overwhelmed with work and that just gets more and more and more. And I've had to expand three times to, to make my business wider and wider and wider to serve more population because I thought I was just going to help social workers in the beginning. And that lasted three months before nurses came to me, police officers came to me, teachers came to me, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger. So my intention in the beginning was to give a language to this, help people identify it, because all my training and I didn't have a language to it. Yeah. And here I knew all these systems, the medical health system, the, the, me the mental health system, the criminal justice system. I knew all those systems. And yet I almost I almost lost my life due to this. What about people who don't speak English as a first language or didn't have my education? If I couldn't make it, how are they going to make it? So I decided I was going to dedicate the rest of my career to talking about it. I've never shut up since I've made that decision. <laughs> I'm going to educate on it. I'm going to empower people. I'm going to 
But I really took a perspective that this needs to, you need to look at every area and give a service for every part, every party. You can't just work with the targets. You can't just work with the bystanders. You've got to work with the leadership, the organization, the legislation, the pol the politicians. You've got to work with every aspect of it because there's gaps everywhere. So that's how, that's where I began. Just a holistic trauma-informed perspective was necessary. Wow, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, I've known you a while now. And, uh, yeah, that's the first time I've I've heard that story about the um, the experiences you you had that um you know i guess became your driving the driving force behind you you setting up the um the institutes um yeah yeah i'm sure i mean the fact that, the, <laughs> that there was a pastor involved you know i mean you know yeah. of all the of all the dysfunctional people yeah you don't expect a, a person of the cloth to you know well, it's, no, you uh, don't. and she no. was the one who actually you know, lots of targets of bullying have been told that they're too sensitive. They need to get thicker, thicken up their skin. Mm. She was the one who told me that I needed to develop alligator skin like her. I'll never forget those words. Linda, you need to develop alligator skin. And I looked at her and I thought, what kind of pastor or what kind of social worker wants to have alligator skin? You actually hired me because of the fact that I can be sensitive. And yeah, yeah. sensitive never caused anybody any harm. It's being insensitive that's causing people harm yeah that's very true yeah wow so so obviously you know you know clearly you were you know as you said you you supervised lots of people you trained lots of people you had lots of leadership roles within um your career as a social worker and then because of your own personal experiences you decided to lead the way and and you know identify a very clear need and um you know founded the the institute's uh, in in Canada to do with workplace bullying and harassment and violence, and uh, that's that's incredible. And and so you're the you're the CEO of those organisations, um, and you know, truly international. You know, we've we've worked together. Um, you know, I've I've been on your um, amazing show um, for the record, and you know, uh, it, yeah, I mean, you you really are, you know, a beacon, really. Um, you know, with you know, yourself, I look at across the pond and see uh, yourself and and you know the doctors Naomi, Ruth and Gary and uh, and, and and think yeah what what uh, what amazing and sort of special work you're doing. So I'm I'm personally very appreciative of you um, and the work you're doing on behalf of all um, you know victims of, of of bullying and bullies themselves who need who need help the perpetrators and so on. So thank you for thank you for everything you're doing um so what would you say if you uh if you had to kind of like uh dis distill it down what's your personal leadership style i would i would like to say that you know based on my training and and it, just as a human being i've always I've, i feel like i've always been drawn to emotional intelligence developing that emotional intelligence that that's my very foundation of leadership and I, and I do believe that needs to be the primary foundation for every leader. You can't lead other people if you don't have any sense of self-insight, right? If you're not aware of yourself, if you're not monitoring yourself, if you're not aware of what your strengths are and where some of your triggers are, and if you don't have healthy, strong boundaries, 
I'm not perfect by any means. I'm, I'm going to work on that for the rest of my life till I take my last breath. You know, and that's one thing about emotional intelligence is that you recognize that you're always going to be learning. And, yeah. you, and you're not, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to, you know, you're going to make mistakes and you, you're going to own them and you're going to learn yeah. from them. So I would say as a leader, my style is emotional intelligence, not just because I'm a social worker. That's just who I am as a, as a human being. And I've been working on myself since I was 17 years old. So that's a long time, you know. So that's my foundation. And I also believe that we as leaders, we work with different personalities. We work with different learning styles, different needs. And so you can't just have one learning style. You've got to have a toolbox of different styles you can draw on, democratic, whether it's, you know, situational leadership style, you be direct even. Sometimes I have to be a very direct leader. Sometimes I have to be a tough leader. Yeah. That's the way it is, so, you know, depending on what the the situation is and where you're at. So you have to have a variety. But my my feeder in the cement of emotional intelligence, for sure, yeah. that's what it, where I believe this the, the most strengths are. I think there's a great deal of strength and vulnerability. You know, I yeah. think that's your ultimate strength is vulnerability yeah. and being able to be human and authentic. And I and I want to be honest and I want to be the person that that works through the the tough stuff not the person that runs away from a, a difficult conversation. I want to be able to stick it out. And I, I just gained so much respect from people who can do that, who can work through the tough stuff and yeah. build that connection, really yeah. be connected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's some, some great stuff there. Um, so, I mean, I, what I'm hearing is, you know, with, uh, with emotional intelligence as a foundation for your leadership style, you're clearly very empathic and insightful and able to regulate your emotions. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a part of you that's, you know, um, kind of Brené, Brené Brown, you, you know, kind of authentic and vulnerable and, and, and so on. Um, also like, you know, you, you, you have to have these tough conversations. It's, you know, the, the space within which you work is full of tough stuff, right? Um, so you need to be assertive when when necessary. And then it sounds like you, you know, like something that I describe when I'm doing leadership workshops with uh, with students and doctors and so on. And I look at uh, Goldman's sort of six leadership styles and say, you know, yes, okay, so um, you know, there are ones that are like the visionary visionary leader that is supposed to be like the most positive style but you can't be a visionary leader all of the time every now and again you need to be a command and control leader when the poo hits the fan and stuff needs sorting you just have to do it right as you say i, I like your euphemism for it you know it's it's direct direct leadership you know is when when that's required um so yeah no i i like that that's a that's a kind of a beautiful um sort of a hybrid of all the of all the styles with a bit of a bit of Brené and a bit of um assertiveness thrown in there as well I love mm, it thank yeah. you that's great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I really, one of the trends that I see these days sometimes with, when I get somebody sent to me because they've been bullying and sometimes they are sent to me by their employer I, I do an assessment on them and sometimes I find out they're not a bully at all. They're actually just really confident and assertive people. And we're really misinterpreting that confidence yeah. and assertiveness and using it against them. Yeah. And I think we as a society have to get really comfortable with being confident and assertive people yeah. and understand the difference between direct leadership, tough leadership and what a bully is. That's yeah. that's really getting kind of messed up. And that's why it's so important for people to take training. Yeah, yeah. 
that's yeah that's really interesting and uh you know sometimes i i use the um you know the scenario whereby uh you know you've kind of come to work one day and you've had a, a rough start to the day and you're feeling a bit you're feeling a bit oversensitive you're not your usual self but you're just a bit more susceptible to you know digs and criticism and then your boss comes in who's had a really bad start to the day crashed the crashed his car on the way to work or had a big row with his with his other half or something he's kind of really angry and 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 when those two stars are aligned in not a good way (laughs) it can be it can just be that it was a yeah an unfortunate kind of um combination of you know the victim in, in in quotation marks being very sensitive unusually sensitive and the the perpetrator being you know having an off day as well and just being particularly angry and it's not as you say it's not necessarily bullying at all it can just be that kind of um, unfortunate misalignment of things so yeah yeah Yeah. cool (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) so your journey to leadership i mean in, in terms of like you know through your social work career and you know kind of becoming more senior how and and you know how did that come about because obviously then you know we know that when you left social work as a full-time profession you founded these organizations and that was you know you know clearly a a a lead a leadership role that you stepped into and you are the ceo of these organizations and, and and founder but you know in terms of as you kind of climbed the ranks when you were younger from being a uh, uh, you know a scrappy a scrappy junior social worker <laughs> how did that how did that come about for you how did you know I was scrappy by the I, way I, anyway. well I've known you I just just a little feeling I have <laughs> I prefer tenacious by the way <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with that I'll go with that I'll be guided by you <laughs> tenacious Scott there um you know I, I have to to tell you and my family would probably laugh if they heard me say this but when I became the the founder of the the Canadian, started this company, I was actually quite shy. I wasn't a very good public speaker. I was, you know, I would throw up at the thought of having to speak in front of people. <laughs> so what changed for me was I found something I was very passionate about. You know, because when I realized I was being bullied and went through the recovery, I realized for the 22 years that I was in social work, I was actually bullied and mobbed several times. And, and then when I thought about it, and I witnessed it too in that whole 22 years, in every department I ever worked in, in my profession, I saw it. And prior to that, I realized I was bullied as a kid. I was bullied as a sibling. I was actually perfectly trained for this job. <laughs> it was a lifetime of training. It, yeah. Every dark cloud that had followed me until that point in my life would actually prepared me to do this job. So I could sit on every side of that table and understand every role, right? Whether yeah. I was the social worker helping or the person that was injured. So that was one thing. But I also, I was very passionate about this. And I thought about my children and I thought about all those children that are being bullied at school and how bad that is as it is. I don't want them growing up and being bullied at work. Like I don't want my children to go experience this. I mean, just think about your children. You don't want them to go through this. And then I thought my, about my grandchildren, you know, and I have nine grandchildren. And at the time, four of them had already been bullied at school. And I, I just don't want them to go through what I went through. So that drove my sense of power. It brought my voice up. I, I, it gave me so much courage 
the the love of what I'm doing, the need for what I was doing. And I, you know, I meet many people who just get started doing this and they're just as excited as I was and passionate and and ready to take on the world. And and that really turned me into a more stronger, my voice is out there. I just never thought I could even do podcasts, never mind, you know, radio interviews or whatever else I do. Mm. Never could imagine this. And it, for me, it's a small silo world. I don't see what goes on out there. Mm. And it's easier that world, that way for a while. But for the first, I would say, six years of doing this, I was poo-pooed and, and minimized and shh you know, and don't talk about it. And yeah. even on, you know, all the social medias that I'm active on today, I was ignored or dismissed or minimized. But now the whole world has changed. The the voice is getting louder. It's a worldwide movement now. And I have to say, it, I learned it as I, I made it up as I went along, you know, and I, I read what I could. I, I watched other people. I learned from my mistakes. There was a lot of blood, sweat and tears in doing this over the last 12 years. It's not come easy. Mm. You know, I still get bullied. I still get harassed in my in my role to this day. Sometimes I get blindsided um, and sometimes I don't. I see it coming. I'm still human. You know, it's still it doesn't derail me like it would have done 12 or 15 years ago. Yeah. But it's still it, it's impactful. But I learned from it. And then I want to teach what I learned, whatever I learned, I want to teach and I want to turn it around and I want to help other people see different perspectives, Mm. you know. So, for example, when I I first uh, started this company, there was no way in the heck I would ever work with a bully. I would never, ever want to be in a room with a bully. That was my way. But that I mean, I was just still injured. And then at some point I realized I have to come to terms with that and I have to work with them. Mm. And, And. I have to find out what it is that causes them and help Mm. them change if I can. I mean, obviously, Mm. I can't help a psychopath or a sociopath, but Mm. the other parts, other type of bullies, I can. And it was Mm. them who taught me the most, really. That's the part that I have enjoyed the most. And some of them are my favorite clients, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds like you can make a real difference, uh, you know, kind of getting to the, the root cause of why they behave how they behave and then you can as an offshoot of that you can help so many more people who aren't then going to be on the receiving end of that that behavior so uh but yeah no you you um yeah no you brought up emotional intelligence uh, again which is you know clearly uh you know un- underlies um all that you all that you do um and as you say you don't you don't get derailed now still things still you know of course you know we're as you say we're only human um but uh, just kind of things like so when you when you founded the organizations you know you were i guess really not prepared for i mean it's 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 setting up a business i mean i've done the same setting up a business it's 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 hard when you're a, when you're a social worker or a doctor you have no business education and you all of a sudden it's like oh crikey uh <laughs> what am i doing um and and you know so you you know but you 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 had uh, a strong a strong vision and a strong kind of re- you know reason for a strong why as as uh um simon Sinek talks about you know knowing knowing your why you really you really knew that um and so it was, it's interesting i think because you were clearly very senior in in social work um, so you were a, a leader of people, but all of a sudden you're you're kind of like leading what you hope is going to be a movement. 
I guess, yeah, um, which is, is is quite different, isn't it? Um, you know, in in your kind of in your social work career, um, were there any any people who were senior to you, um, you know, kind of social workers or, or or otherwise female or male that kind of helped you, you know, kind of realize your leadership potential? To be honest with you, Adam, no. <laughs> no, I, I really didn't. I worked with a lot of great people, but I didn't have any, you know, in social work, most of my leaders were burnt out. Most of my leaders were overwhelmed and, and there wasn't a lot of support for them. And I didn't really yeah. get a whole lot of examples of good leadership styles, to be honest. They didn't have the opportunity. They were running off their feet. So, you know, on one hand, I think the potential was there, but they never had the opportunity because it was just too much. I think what what inspires me most and what I learn most from and admire most are actually my clients, to yeah. be honest, you know, yeah. because I have the people that come through my door. They they are from all professions. I mean, the, yeah. and I get themes, to be honest with you, every year is a different theme. And and to be honest, this year is doctors. Most of my clients are doctors. Yeah. And so I have seen everything. And yeah. it's them because I see who they are as human beings. They're strong. They're 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 hardworking. They're dedicated. They're loyal people. They're ethical, and they're doing their best, you know. But they get targeted because of that, and so I see them and I and I admire them. Some of them are incredibly amazing people. Most of them are actually multitaskers, go above and beyond the call of duty, mm. and so they're the ones that inspire me to keep my voice. Uh, going in to be that leader or to continue the work that I do. I learned so much from them and their their, their resiliency and their survival. Um, even though they come to me and they're quite, you know, devastated and, and broken, um, I see who they were and I see how they recover and who they become again. And they're stronger after. And the courage to speak up You've got to admire that, the courage to yeah. to make a complaint, the courage to do something about it or or to turn it into like what you've done and what I've done. And many of my own guest speakers have done turn it into something to change the world. That's what inspires me and moves me and, and drives me to do more. It's actually my own clients. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's 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 really lovely. Um, yeah, no, no, you're, you're right. It's. Uh... Yeah, I learn. I learn from my my clients all the all the time. Um, so yeah, no, you make a a, a really really valid point. Um, yeah, just mm-hmm. like I, I I guess I learn from my patients and we learn from our children and and so on, don't we? So uh, yeah, no, that's that's really good. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Um, people that really so, talk about the real oh, truth stories, the people that talk yeah. about the human part of this story. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's not just politics. It's not just policies. It's not just you know, uh, health and safety. It's a human experience. And it's when, when we can talk like human beings and not power trip and not oppress and not, yeah. you know, suppress and minimize when we actually really can talk about it as human beings. That's what inspires me. That's the kind of leader I want to be. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, so, just just kind of going back a bit to um you know the that awful experience you had when you were working in that that cancer clinic and um the 
the bullying and the mobbing that you that you experienced um can you can you are you do you feel able to go into that in a, in a, a wee bit more detail and and and, and i know and uh, am i right in thinking that did you leave the profession because of of all of all of that yeah. um so it was it's sort of subsequent to that that you you learned that you you healed as you say you were injured and you healed so you've you kind of it was hard to cope with all of that at the time mm-hmm. but subsequent to that you have managed to move past it and, and and get like a level of closure i'm guessing so i mean are you able to just share a little bit more about you know kind of what happened and why you think it happened and then ultimately how you kind of got got through it kind of got through that trauma well, it's, it's a long story, so I'll try and make it very, very short. I mean, I worked in a cancer center, right? And at the very same time, my mother was terminally ill with cancer. So I was, you know, I'm a strong person, as you know. And, and yeah. at the time when you're when you're going through anticipatory grief and then finally you're going through the grief while you're working with grief, it's heavy on you. I mean, you're 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 watching your mother pass away as you're also working with other clients whose parents are passing away. It made yeah. me better at my job, most definitely, but it made me vulnerable. And and often people are targeted when they're in a vulnerable place. So mm. they left me alone until two days after she died. That's when the bullying started. And I was side blinded and I was it was repeatedly gaslighting me and telling me that people didn't like me. People didn't want me there. Um, people didn't think I was committed to the job. And and I'm in a state of shock and a state of grief. And I thought, well, I'll show you I'm the best worker you're ever going to get. And so I worked harder and I, I didn't take my coffee breaks and I didn't take my lunch breaks. And I came in on Saturdays. That's how I dealt with my grief. I turned it into hypervigilance. Because they threatened that they that they weren't going to make me a permanent position, so I decided I would show them. So the whole time I was constantly gaslit and told lies about things, and we were being asked to spy on each other by our psychologist manager would bring us in one at a time and ask us to spy on each other. So then you'd walk out of his office and you go, well, who's spying on me? So you create paranoia. You don't know who's got a knife in your back. You're being told people are talking about you. You don't know if that's true or not. You can't challenge it. You get asked to do things like, uh, you know, show up at a meeting and represent somebody. And then you show up at the meeting and you get screamed at for why are you here? Why did you come to this meeting? And you're thinking, well, you asked me to. And and then you're wondering, when is that person going to come and punish you for showing up at the meeting that they asked you to attend to? So there was lots of things like yelling and screaming and then turning around and laughing with everybody else. And nobody would believe that actually happened to you, you know, or or being accused of saying things you never said, uh, things that never even entered your head. So it's crazy making stuff. You know, and it, and it's like death by a thousand cuts because sometimes it's a little cut, like you're being the, he's saying good morning to everyone except for you day after day after day after day. That becomes a little cut and then another cut and then another cut. And then she comes and accuses you of saying things that you never said. That's another cut. And then sometimes it's two of them attacking you and sometimes it's three of them. And so every day you don't know what you're going to expect. Eventually those cuts wear you down and you start to yeah. cry on your way to work and then you cry on your way home. And 
So anyway, you know, after about two years of these things, you burn out, you start to feel the ulcers in your stomach, the acid reflux, you're getting panic attacks, migraines, and next thing you know, you're you're diagnosed with PTSD. And so I went on sick leave. You know, obviously I couldn't cope. I was I was ter- so terrified to leave even my building. My boss had just come in to my office, which was a closet, typical social worker office, a little closet, right? And I'm five foot one, he's six foot two, and he stood in, he sat in front of the door and blocked me from getting out. And he proceeded to tell me 13 things that were wrong with me. And I was terrified of him, absolutely terrified by this time, because I was having a panic attack and he kept attacking and kept attacking. So I actually had to have my husband on the cell phone walk me out the hospital, because I worked in a hospital, step by step, because I was terrified walking out of the hospital that I would get fired between my desk and my car, he'd find a way to fire me. So I was that terrified. He got in my head so bad because of all these games and, and things. He told me never to speak to HR, never to speak to CEO, that I was supposed to come and talk to him. So he set me up completely. He was a really sick man. Mm-hmm. And, and and his followers, he was training them to be the same way. So there was all kinds of terrible things. I wasn't the only target, by the way. It wasn't just me. So what did I do? I went looking for help, and and there was no there was no help. I, I saw five therapists. The first four actually made me worse because they yeah. didn't know what this injury was. Mm-hmm. You know, they nobody talked about bullying or harassment. They they thought they could just start off with CBT or solution focused as a treatment, and that is a big mistake because you're making it about me now. Now, it's, and that's I needed somebody just to listen. I needed somebody just to hear me and validate me and make me feel safe. But it was the fifth one that did that, and so that's when I realized I need to learn about this. I need mm-hmm. to figure out. What is the best way to to treat people? And I went, you know, as I said, I did my master's degree in this area. I got bullied in university because I was writing on this topic. My own social worker uh, student friends in the master's degree, they kind of made fun of me, what I was doing. Uh, One of my professors uh, started to grade my papers lower because I was she didn't think I should write about this. And so it impacted me even in university. And then I went out to Dr. Gary Namey and I took his training and got certified. And I still didn't feel like I was ready, but I started the company ground grassroots up. There was nobody Mm -hmm. in Canada that could help me. I had to invent it myself. Mm -hmm. I joined the International Association of Workplace Bullying and Harassment. I learned from from researchers and and books and readers and people there that I connected with. And I just, you know, trial and error, trial and error. For the first year, I don't think I charged anybody a cent because I was experimenting with what would work and what would would not work until Mm. I could eventually start, you know, charging. And I just built it up smaller at a time. But I I really had to get my hands into so many different areas because there was nothing. Mm. Uh, We lobbied for legislation. We did petitions. We did candlelight vigils. 40 degrees below zero here. We're on the legislature grounds with candles and, you know, the news, the news, you know, they're there interviewing us. But we just got loud and and just didn't stop talking until they did something about it legally. It put some legislation in there. At this very same time, I'm starting my private practice, learning how to treat people, taking courses on that while I'm advocating, while I'm training, giving people language. So, I mean. I wouldn't recommend ever doing that again, but it was 
but there was nobody else doing it. Nobody yeah. else was out there speaking up about it. And as a social worker, that's the very thing we're trained to do. Social mm-hmm. justice, give a voice, identify injustices. And uh, I'm not sure why I don't have a million social workers following me and doing this, because that's what we are trained to do. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it sounds like you had to sort of teach yourself the skills to kind of help yourself through it in, in a way. There, were, there wasn't really anyone that, that could help you. Um, but, I mean, just listening to you talking about the, uh, you know, the candlelight vigils and things like that, I mean, that's, you know, and on the on the on the lawn of the legislature at minus forty degrees. I mean, that that is that's commitment. That is leadership. You know, that is that is strong. That's powerful. Um, I don't know if you reflect on that at all and just celebrate how magnificent you were. <laughs> but just just hearing that is just so inspiring. You know, really really wonderful. I, I never always had other people with me too. So there's a lot of us that were out there with our parkas and our hats and our gloves <laughs> and our scarves and yeah. you barely see our faces, but we just never stopped, you know? Yeah. 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 No, it, for sure. It was teamwork, but I mean, you know, you, you know, you set up the, the organizations and you, I'm sure you were spearheading the, the uh, lobbying for changing or creation of legislation or even changing, you know, is actually, you know, new legislation needed to be brought in, didn't it? So, um, well, amazing. Goodness. A lot of yeah. people helped. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you all did a fantastic, fantastic job, and and as a group, uh, it's, it's tremendous leadership. So, um, so thank you for that, and and you know, and uh, you know, thank you for sharing your story, and I hope that hasn't kind of stirred up too many un- no. unpleasant memories, but uh, um, you know that you know the the learning there for for the listeners um who are kind of go, going through something similar and thinking that you know it's it's normal or they should just put up with it or uh you know they should just you know uh leave or, or whatever whatever they, there's this this great kind of learning there and, and just to know that we're not we're not alone when we experience these things sadly um so yeah i mean you've you've you, you know and now here here you are you know kind of uh you know r- running these you know canadian organizations but with a with a reach with an international reach i mean you could you know the the groups that, that i'm in with you could tell me there must be you know 25 other countries or something like that at, at least who are involved yeah. in um international kind of workplace bullying week things and all all of these sorts of things um that you kind of uh again that you lead on um so you know and i'm sure you there's more there's more leadership firsts for you in in the rest of your career but do you have any advice um from your journey so far for the listeners on how to become um strong kind leaders because i i very much see you as a a strong and a very kind leader. Do you have mm. any advice? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I train a lot of leaders. And the one question I ask the leaders is, what is your leadership style? And I, I always get the deer in the headlight look. <laughs> um, <laughs> so right there and there, like that tells you right there, you need to know what is your leadership style. You mm. need to be able to identify it. You need to be able to measure it. 
Is it effective? Is it working? What's not working? And what do you need to add to it? So if you're a leader, you need to know what your what is your leadership style? And and you need to ask, look around and see, are people walking on eggs around you? Are they are they are they do they feel safe around you? Do you know? Do you know what what people are seeing you as? Have you asked for feedback? Are you strong enough to ask for that feedback? So I would do some self-assessments. There's plenty of free, uh, you know, management style, leadership style assessments on Google that you can download and check it out and just see what sort of pattern evolves. So first of all, know what kind of leader you are. One of the statistics that I often repeat when I'm training is 74% of bullying is coming top down. So that tells us that we do have a leadership problem. So yeah. when I when I see that, I say, well, there's a solution then. If that tells us the problem, then that means we know the solution. Mm-hmm. So what is your leadership style? Have you been hired into a position that you feel competent? Because if you feel competent, you're not going to need to bully anybody. You know, if you feel confident, you're not going to need to bully anybody. So are you confident? Are you competent? Are you Do you mm-hmm. feel like you know who you are as a leader? Are you self-monitoring your tone of voice, your body language, your intentions? Are you self-monitoring? Are you taking more training to develop yourself? You know, are you humble enough to do that? Are you the type of leader that wants your staff to be as strong and good as you? Because that's a good leader. Because if you're an insecure leader, if you're a leader who does not, if you're like, you know, that's um, imposter syndrome that a lot of leaders do have. And in comes a staff member that's got skills that you don't have or you believe you don't have because you don't know yourself. Maybe you do, but you don't Mm. take time to get to know yourself. Then you might be oppressing and suppressing that person that that is skilled because they're a threat to you because you like that page. You like that title. So really, it's about self-accountability and self-insight. That's emotional intelligence all over right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say do some self-assessing. And and figure out who you are as a leader and and, yeah. and is it working? Know yeah. yourself as a leader. Yeah. You know, because I often say competent, confident leaders don't bully. There's the yeah. solution. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't think a lot of a, a society sets leaders up for success, to be honest. I think they put leaders in positions that they're not prepared for, that they're not, you know, that's a lot of responsibility. Uh, it, it truly is. You need to have a, a good, strong skill set. And some people are being thrown in positions because nobody else wants the job or some people are being thrown in positions of leadership because they owe their brother a favor or their cousin a favor or their buddy a favor. And Mm -hmm. that's all just wrong. That's setting them up for failure and it's setting up staff for failure. Mm -hmm. So leaders need to to be responsible and accountable. Um, If you're afraid of conflict, then that's a problem. Yeah. So you're held to a higher standard of, of skills. If you're yeah. afraid of conflict, then you you need to deal with that fear of conflict so that you can be a competent leader when it comes to, co- you know, conflict. Because you're going to yeah. have conflict. Yeah. 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 My gosh. So, so, so much good stuff in there. <laughs> I should have written some notes down. I can't possibly un- unpick all of that. That's that's amazing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, again, you know, a, a, a good foundation of emotional intelligence, being confident and competent. And that's kind of can cut through most situations can't it if you're if you're competent and and confident um and the developing yourself constantly developing yourself and 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 so on and being you know self-assessing you know just kind of reflect reflecting and you know how uh how did that situation go um how could i do that better 
Oh my god, and I haven't even really scratched the surface that there was so much in there. That listeners just gonna have to rewind a little bit and listen to all of Linda's gems again because that was amazing. <laughs> really, really appreciate that. Okay, so um we're 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 coming to the um the final stretch now. So um I'm gonna ask you now what your 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 take-home leadership messages would be for the listeners, please. Well, as you know, my specialty is workplace bullying and harassment. Right. So uh, my takeaway would be don't assume that you know what that is just because you were bullied as a child or you saw others bullied as children or whatever. Don't make those assumptions that you know what it is, because be responsible to learn what today's definition is of psychological harassment and psychological violence in the workplace. Uh, because we're making a lot of mistakes as leaders when it comes to this. It's not just a, a one-hour webinar, tick a box, I've met my requirements. Actually learn what it is because it's an epidemic in the workplace. So as far as leaderships go, we set the tone of a workplace environment. And our staff is watching us, just like our children are watching us at home. We're, we are setting the tone of the workplace. Our staff is watching how we deal with it. Our staff is watching how we lead. Our, do we walk our talk? Do we practice what we preach? Do we follow policies? Or are, are we inconsistent? Are we, are we showing favoritism? Or are, we not, are we not dealing with nepotism? Um, our staff is watching. So yeah. be responsible and be accountable for your own learning in this area so that you can be that leader that is safe to go to. You can be that leader that people respect, that people know that they can trust and create safety in your workplace. Fantastic. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Really, as you say, really apt um, take home message coming, coming from yourself um, with your uh, area of expertise uh, don't assume that you know what what workplace bullying and harassment is, um, because I suppose we all do have our own construct, don't we, of what of what that is. But you know, there are there are definitions, and you know, uh, you know, there's there are ways of classifying and categorizing, and there's the you know the obvious kind of covert things, and there's the overt things, and you know, uh, sorry, the other way around. But uh, you know, there's things that people don't think about, like gaslighting. They just think about the the school playground and and things like yeah. that and yeah so many just, to it yeah but really absolutely yeah um yeah and uh you know the way you, you t- talked about was it psychological violence and it's like what was the other term that you used psychological yeah. violence yeah, yeah 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 that's much more um appropriate isn't it um yeah. but yeah and i love the other you know your your staff are watching you they are and they're not watching you in a kind of like a you know a, a, a monitoring you way they are they're modeling aren't they they're trying you know that that's how they're learning leadership yeah. and uh, they're either going to yeah. follow your leadership style and if it's yeah. good great if it's not uh oh yeah. or they're going to avoid you and they're going to isolate from you and they're not they're not going to stay away from you so what do you want like do you even notice you know, and we've got, and I know I can speak for every country when I say this, with the large organizations out there with great websites to talk about yeah. bullying and harassment, but it's all lip service. 
Yeah. You know, so, you know, we've got organizations that are handing out awards for anti-bullying, but yet I see their staff that come to my clinic because they're being bullied right underneath the people that are handing out the awards. So the irony, like nothing shocks me anymore. So lip yeah. service is just not good enough. You've got to walk the talk and practice what you preach. It doesn't mean that you're yeah. perfect. If you fall yeah. down and you, you make a mistake, then you get up yeah. and you admit it, you know, and you yeah. talk about it. So. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So so wise, yeah. Def definitely uh, ad admit it. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, fantastic. So, uh, what what are you currently excited to be working on that you'd like to share with the listeners? What are your latest things that you can help people with? Well, continuing to build awareness and educate the organizations that we're getting coming in are bigger and bigger, which tells me that the message is getting out there. The larger organizations are calling for contracts. That's one thing. But we are starting to do some more research papers. I'm very excited about that, looking at academic bullying, academia, um, trying to put some light in that area. I'm excited about that. Writing a book as well um, on systems, identifying gaps in systems and, and so that people who are injured know how to navigate the system. So we are doing a book on that. Um, I did start a nonprofit, a not-for-profit, because I, I realized there's a lot of a lot of employees out there that end up on sick leave or end up losing their jobs, and they don't have the money to go and get a lawyer. And that's just another injustice to them. You know, yeah. here they've been yeah. brutalized out of a career that they love and they've done well in for 10, 15 years, and they have no money to go and see a lawyer or they have no money for treatment. That's an injustice. So I started a, a not-for-profit to try and raise funds, get some grants, get donations, get gifts, whatever I can, so that we can have these people access that money and get a lawyer mm. or get, you know, see a therapist. Because uh, they have, it's just, it's just horrible that that's not available to them. And I, and I hope that that means that more voices will be heard, more cases will be heard. And that might improve our policies and our legislation in the long run. In the long run. Mm. I love that as a as a reason for you know why you've why you set up the um, not for profit arm of the uh, well separate organization, but you know it's the not for profit arm of your you know group of businesses. Um, it, yeah, it, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? People are people are mobbed and harassed and whatever and bullied out of work, and then after a certain amount of time, there's no more sick pay. Um, and then maybe not in a psych uh, psychologically um, appropriate space to be looking for other jobs and things like that. And and they need support. They need therapy or they need legal legal advice. Uh, and where's the money going to come from? So that is such a a, a worthy um, cause for for the organisation. So yeah, no. Uh, again, I appreciate what you're doing. It's uh, it's it's really lovely. Um, Okay, so if um, any of the listeners would like to reach out to you, and I, I very much hope they do, um, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, my email address, one word, psychologicalsafetyfirst at gmail.com. Lovely. I will make sure that's in the show notes along with the uh, uh, the, the links for the um, the organisations that you founded as well. So that will all be in there. Thank and, you. And, yeah, no. It's my pleasure. And uh, finally, do you have any do you have any closing words that you'd like to share with the listeners? 
Well, I guess I, I would like to say that you're not alone and it's, there's nothing you could possibly have done to ever deserve to be bullied or harassed, that even if you were perfect, you'd have been bullied because you're perfect. So it has nothing to do with an imperfection or an inadequacy or something you've said or done. It's got something to do with that person that is bullying or harassing you. So if ever in doubt, reach out and talk to somebody in your country, in your city, wherever. If you don't know where they are, I can help you find them. Talk to them and just run your case by them and just just for a sanity check, you know, do a sanity check because this stuff makes you feel crazy. Document, document, even if you do not think you're going to make a complaint, document anyway, because things might change. So documenting is incredibly important, even if you don't have paper and pen, you've always got one of these handy. So put your notes in here or record your notes to yourself, but keep that clarity in your notes, because you're going to need that for the confidence and courage that might be coming down the road for a complaint. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Thank. That's so, so useful. You know, um, just really great general advice. So um, I really, really appreciate it. I've, I've really loved this conversation and um, I've learned so much and I've, I've, I've learned uh, more about you. Um, so that's, that's good. Um, and yeah, I just want to, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing all your wisdom and just amazing advice and just, uh, you know, just such a wonderful feeling of altruism and philanthropy that I get, I get from you as well. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to the audience for listening. And um, until the next episode in two weeks, I wish you all health, happiness and inspiring leadership. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach, So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today. And please join me next time, two weeks from now, on Alternate Wednesdays, for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.